This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hey friends, this is Alex Fitton, host of the Adoptive Mom Podcast, and you are joining us for episode 11 of season four, and that's 59 episodes overall. I'm super excited about that. Thank you for joining me for all of this fun stuff, including today's episode. So my guest today, Christy Irwin, and I have actually kind of a past. So she was a family friend when I was growing up, and she played a pivotal part in us getting into this whole adoption thing. So stay tuned to find out all the details there. But on top of all of that, she is the executive director of Project Zero, which is an organization dedicated to helping waiting kids coming out of the foster care system who are ready to find their forever home. She's also the author of The Middle Mom, which is a book about being a foster mom and adoptive mom. She is a mom of six, including two from adoption. And if that's not enough to like get you pumped for this episode. I don't know what is because she's awesome. And this interview was so fun. Before we get there, I want to remind you guys that today, as of this recording, Monday, you have two more days, like today and tomorrow, to use Adoptive Mom 20 at RestorationThreads.com. So you definitely, I've been talking about them all month. We did a giveaway, and once that ended, we launched this discount code, and you guys absolutely need to go to RestorationThreads.com and support this amazing company as they are supporting uh, foster care and adoption organizations with the proceeds from their um, their clothing. So Adoptive Mom 20, all one word, the number 208. Use it now at restorationthreads.com. And don't forget to connect with me over email at theadoptivemompodcast.com slash email. And subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Help me out, you guys. I will love you forever. Just go take two minutes of your time. Subscribe, rate, and review. That's all I have for you. So let's jump in. Okay, guys, I know it's terrible podcasting faux pas to um, to start off your podcast not introducing your guests, but I'm going to tell a story. So um, in 2014, I was pregnant and crazy, apparently, because I saw um, a picture of a couple boys on this woman's post on Facebook, and then I emailed her like a crazy person and was like, we want to adopt them. Can you connect us with... <laughs> Uh, whoever we need to be connected to. And then she did. And we didn't end up adopting those boys. But that is actually that's how we got started in this adoption thing. And I'm told that she knew me even as a little girl. I don't remember that. But um, that person is Christy Irwin. So hi, Christy. How are, how are you? <laughs> Good morning, Alex. Yes, I did know you as a little bitty baby. <laughs> Love it. And it was really fun to get a to get a text from you or a, whatever it was, Facebook message, and just see you all grown up and married and you know, just it was just very profound and and really cool. So loved it. It was yeah, it was kind of it was that that leap that led us to this adoption journey. And um it was yeah. just kind of funny because I texted my mom, who you know, and I yeah. was like, I need to get a hold of this person because I 
Because we want to adopt. And it was like, I'm pregnant. We don't have any other kids. This seems like a great time. And you were like, sounds good. Here's her information. (laughs) But you are also an adoptive mom. And you have, I mean, we have so much to cover like in this episode. So that's why I'm just like diving in because we like, you're just, you're on top of all this stuff. But first up, I want to hear, so just take a second, introduce us to you and your family. Okay, I'm Christy Irwin, and my husband's name is Jeff. We've been married for 35, almost 36 years, which seems impossible. Yesterday was actually the 37th anniversary of our first kiss. Wow, our kids were not impressed. But anyway, (laughs) um, we have six kiddos. Um, We have four that came to our family biologically. Chase is 31. Caleb's 28, Kara's 27, and Connor's 24. And then we have two uh, kiddos that were added to our family through adoption. Serenity's 15, and Edward is 10. And then we have three grandchildren. So I'm I'm a Kiki, too. You know, we couldn't have an old grandma name because we got little kids. So <laughs> Jeff's Boomer, I'm Kiki, and our house is Camp Kiki Boom Boom. So we have a song, a camp song. We have, it's just crazy. So we have a four-year-old, a 20-month-old, and a four-month-old. Oh, my goodness. two girls. This is, that's hilarious. I love that you have a camp (laughs) name for your house. Um, And also, that means that your 10-year-old is an uncle, which is is awesome. He is an uncle. Does he, he is an uncle. Does he take pride he in embraces. his uncle duty? Okay. Oh, yes. He embraces that role, uh, <laughs> complete with hand sanitizer. And yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's pumped to be an uncle. Yeah, I love it. So, <laughs> you know, my next question is always tell us about your adoption story. But I know that your adoption story is kind of intertwined with your professional story. So yes. maybe just tell it all together. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, that, I, I love it. But bottom line is about 26 years ago, which seems impossible because I feel like I'm in my 30s, uh, <laughs> not my 50s. But um, I had three preschoolers. I had a four-year-old, a, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. And I was um, just, I was rocking Kara. She was a year old. The boys were asleep, which was a rare phenomenon, as you well know, when you have three little ones that anybody's <laughs> asleep at the same time. But they were, and I was sitting, it was a winter day, and I was rocking Kara, and uh, very long story short, I just felt the Lord, the Lord's presence in a real real way, and uh, those quiet times were very hard to come by in those days, and I just began to think about Kara and think about the beauty of this child laying in my arms and me having the opportunity just to hold her and rock her and sing to her. And then my mind began to wander to the kids that didn't have that opportunity, that through no fault of their own, they were um, abandoned, abused, neglected, uh, never had the opportunity to be born. It just, it just went deep and it went, uh, it went there quickly. And the Lord began to say to my heart, you know, it's time for you not to just say you're pro-life. The world has seen enough of that, uh, mm. the marching, the picketing, the uh, judgment. It's time for you to act. It's time for you to put some action behind those pro-life words that are often empty. Uh, little did I know in that moment uh, what that moment in time was going to mean for my life and the life of my family. The Lord gave me a song that I just wrote down. And when Jeff got home, I I, I sung it to him. And I think he thought I was crazy. Uh, You've been with preschoolers a little too long. Uh, But I said, the Lord's calling calling me, calling us out to something. And I don't know what that is. So uh, over the course of the next few months, um, 
we realized that uh, it was doing foster care for a nonprofit uh, adoption agency. For 11 years, we uh, we fostered newborn babies, so it was like we were like perpetually pregnant, um, and it didn't make sense. I mean, we had three preschoolers. Why in the world would we want to take on someone else's baby? And yet, it was so beautiful, and I knew it, it was hard, but it was beautiful, and I knew it was exactly what God wanted us to do. Um, through the course of those 11 years, the Lord worked on my heart and on my life, and we moved over to uh, fostering through a series of events with DCFS. And um, so, actually, our daughter, Serenity, was our very first placement. We never thought we would adopt. We thought we would always be in the middle, hence the title of my book, The Middle Mom, because I thought that's where we would always be. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had opportunities to adopt, and the Lord just shut those doors and said no with the agency that we were with. Um, And yet, He had another plan, and His plan was after three years and four months of a roller coaster ride. Um, for her to be added to our family. Um, so, uh, and then on down the road, we added Edward uh, through, us, you know, through that. But as far as professionally, um, in the middle of our foster care journey with the state, I began to chair the Pulaski County Adoption Coalition. There were coalitions all over the state that were set up by DCFS, and um, I don't even really know the total origin of that. But, um we began to do a few little out of outside the box things to raise awareness about the need for adoptive families. Um, but in, let's see, 2011, I was down in Austin at a, at an orphan conference leading a breakout session and Jeff and I were in the audience and we heard a pastor say that if, if Christians and the body of Christ were doing what God called us to do, there would be zero kids waiting zero kids in foster care waiting to be adopted. And I'm telling you, that truth settled on my heart, settled on my just my being. And I got home and I could not shake it. Mm. And um, so Jeff just one day said, why don't you change the name of the coalition? It had kind of started dying down. People all over the state had closed the coalitions. The grant money had run out, whatever. We were already a 501c3. So in 2011, We changed our name to Project Zero, and we became extremely strategic in our mission. We have one goal, and that's to have zero kids waiting in foster care to be adopted. Everything that we do revolves around that goal. Um, We have become very intentional in the way that we do that, and I'm sure we can get into that a little more. Um, But I began to realize that um, having children who linger and languish in foster care waiting for a family is just not right. Um, someone said that, that that fact should disturb and disrupt Christians. Mm-hmm. And I believe that with all of my heart. Um, and we've seen God do that. We've seen God did that in your life. God did that in my life. And until we're open to being disturbed and disrupted and, um, bringing some margin into our own lives to help kids who are marginalized, um, zero is not going to happen. But I believe it is possible. And so that's what I'm fighting for, um, both in my personal life and my professional life every day. Girl, like, oh my gosh. that But like, it's really cool to just see it happen. And I know mm-hmm. that a lot of you listening are not, um, from Arkansas, so you're probably uh-huh. not seeing, um, you know, 
Christy's Facebook post and Project Zero's reach. But mm-hmm. it's really neat to see what she's saying. What she's saying is the is real. Like it's happening. It's they mean it, and it's really cool to watch that unfold. It's not just some pie in the sky dream. You guys are actually mm-hmm. doing the work. Um, and I definitely want to get into that. Like, what is the work? What is you know? How does that work? But so going back to like the beginning of um, of where this started, what was what was the take from? Um, from the people surrounding you. So what was specific, what was your husband's take? So obviously he had a hand in helping you, you know, spark this idea, mm-hmm. but I feel like a lot of the time when you see, um, when you see one spouse, you know, really championing, championing for mm-hmm. a cause, you always wonder what the other spouse is doing, you know, quote mm-hmm. in the background, but obviously, uh-huh. you know, adoption and foster care and what you're doing. That's a, I mean, that is not a, a one person job. So well, how has that worked with him? What is his role there? Well, he, first of all, is a rock. Um, he is, uh, I, as you probably have guessed, am very, um, driven emotionally by the fact that, uh, I feel I feel solely responsible uh, for every child waiting in our state. And if I sat around long enough, I would feel that burden for every child waiting in our country. Um, and so he brings me back to reality um, many times. And by that, I mean, especially in the hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we had a, a hard week last week with one of our teens that almost died as a result of an accident. And I had been visiting this teen at the hospital and, um, you know, just coming home, he, he just, he just says what I need to hear. Mm-hmm. And, um, on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, um, you know, that I cannot continue, I cannot focus on those, those rough, times or we had one of our boys, you know, go back to jail and, you know, but I've got to focus on the big picture. And, um, and I know that and I do that, but there are times when I just need him, um, to say that. And one of the things that is hard about what we do is that a lot of these things cannot be shared. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like you can, you can, you know, put a Facebook post out and say, please pray for so-and-so he went back to jail to, you know, no, that's not respect. That's not respectful. That's not obviously confidentiality, all that kind of stuff. So it's critical that I have him, um, to, to just walk with me through this on a practical level. We have grown children, we have grandchildren, and we have two kids at home that are going to cheer and going to soccer and going to, you know, do all the things that kids do. And so he is boots on the ground, um, even, at, you know, he's he's busy. He's a pro- busy professional, a businessman, and um, yet he, he knows that what God has called us as a family to do, me personally to do, is critical. And so he's willing to take a back seat to that. Um, is it always easy? No. Has it always been easy over the last 26 years? No. And have <laughs> we always agreed? No. But uh, we, but you know, he, he, in the, in the old days when we would like take a baby to be placed with their adoptive family, the hardest thing for me was leaving with an empty car seat. Mm-hmm. And he would run, literally, if we were in the same car, he would run, throw the car seat in the trunk. If we were in different cars, he would take the car seat from my car and put it in his. And so just things like that, that um, that just minister to my heart mm-hmm. and help me as I'm 
working in all my frailties and inabilities to help others. Um, so it's, it's, it's a great partnership. I love that. Um, and the other, you know, another, another, um, reaction that I wanted to ask you about is the churches. So obviously, you know, I, I've, I've dabbled in calling out Christians, um, Mm -hmm. for, (laughs) for saying that they, they, you know, they, they're pro adoption and that they support it, but then they're like, but it's not for me. And I'm like, is it because it's in the Bible? So, um, and you take that to a whole new level. So, I mean, I know that when you did know me and my family, we went to a pretty conservative church and I don't, I know that a lot of times that, you know, people get bristled by that. People get bristled by being yes. calling called out. So how has the church reacted to your mission? Well, I think it's in the delivery. Mm-hmm. I think it's in, um, I think my job is not to, um, to criticize and condemn people who aren't doing something. My job is to put it out there and drive it home every single day. And so I want to challenge people to think about what could I be doing? And I want, I, you know, I believe passionately in storytelling um, and in giving our waiting kids a voice. And so that's one of the things we do. And so sometimes it's just a matter of sharing a little bit about a particular child and allowing that child to run with it in their short film that will bring people to that. But I think, you know, uh, Jeff and I were listening the other day to Francis Chan, where he is talking about adoption. And you may have heard this little clip, but basically he's saying, proceed to adopt until God tells you no. So yeah. it's the opposite, the opposite part of that. And so I think oftentimes we say we can't do it because that gives us an out to not do it, as opposed to thinking God has commanded us to do it. Maybe I'm not going to welcome a child into my home. Maybe I am, um, but I can do something. And and I'll carry that a step further, too, because I don't think that we should let that be a crutch either. Because I think sometimes we can say, well, everybody can do something. And maybe people that are supposed to really get in and bring a child into their home say, well, I'll just pray because mm-hmm. that's doing something. And obviously, we need you to pray. We need everybody to pray. But we also need it. This is going to take an army. You know, a remnant is not going to make zero a reality for the 117,000 kids in, you know, in the United States who are waiting to be adopted. So it's going to take, you know, it's going to take an army and it's going to take, um, it's going to take warriors. And it's really funny because um, the last thing I would, uh, the last word I would use to define myself would be warrior. And yet the other day I was driving along and I was just, I felt very vulnerable and very heartbroken about some situations. And I just felt the Lord say to me, you're a warrior, you know, and I'll give you the armor. Um, And so that's, you know, that's what this fight is about. It's the very lives and futures of waiting kids. And there's an urgency to that. And if we don't, as the body of Christ, act, there is so much at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we don't want to hear that because it's just too raw and too tough to take in. Our hearts uh, don't want to do that, but we need to hear that. And um, Project Zero is in the middle of filming a feature length documentary um, uh, featuring 
four, four, three or four of our older teen boys. And um, we work with filmmaker Nathan Willis. Um, he's from New Orleans and he He's been filming since August, and he and I had a conversation the other day because every single story is rough. It is so rough. And so we've just talked about, we don't know how that's going to look. You can't edit that because you're following a story. Right. And so um, so I said all that to say there's a lot at stake, and, um, and it's ugly sometimes. And yet I think as Christians, we need to see the ugly so that we can get to the other side of that with truth and beauty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I mean, first of all, it's really cool about the documentary. Um, do you have any more? Like, when is, do you know when it's going to be out? We're looking probably 2020 um, where he's, he wants to follow for a year. And so um, that year won't be up till August. Okay. And um, so he's, um, he's just, he's kind of keeping me out of it because <laughs> he knows that I don't necessarily, you know, need to know all the stuff that's happening because he's, He's really, he's living it with these guys. Mm-hmm. And um, yet um, we feel like those stories need to be told yeah. because you're never too old to uh, need a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just not, we're just not satisfied with saying, well, if some of them age out, you know, that's okay. No, mm-hmm. they all need a family. And so uh, let's fight for that. And uh, let's think outside the box and do what we can do. Uh, within the confines of the system that we need to, with our partnership with DCFS, of course, we want to do the things we need to do there. Uh, But how can we think outside the box and move forward in this, in this endeavor? Yeah. And I want to go back to what you were talking about, about Warrior, um, because you're reminding me, so we have a mutual friend, Amy Butler, who um, she constantly is talking about just like the military, um, aspect almost of what we're doing as foster and adoptive parents um, that we are stepping into the battle zone that we are intentionally standing on the front lines. And I love all of her metaphors and analogies and how, how easily, how easy it is to relate to that just warrior military mentality. Because when you think about it, when you think about what we're doing, we're dealing with things like PTSD and trauma and all these things that, that is exactly what, you know, the people in the military, and while we might not, I mean, while we might not be actually risking our lives, and I would never want to disrespect people in the military, it's it's crazy how yes. much how much uh, crossover just in the mentality there is. And I love that you're right. using that terminology as well, because I think that right. that's important for foster and adoptive moms, which is who this, this podcast is for, to know right. that what we're doing is important. And I think a lot yes. of that, you know, you talked about... Um, not being okay with people with, with kids aging out. And I think that the fear there is that, um, that you, you know, people fear that they could never love a teen the way they love their younger kids or that they could, um, you know, that they could never, I don't know, they could never treat them or, or, or put their mind in that space to be able to, um, to raise a teenager when that's not where they're at in their life or whatever. And, you know, first of all, it is possible to love a teenager that way. Second of all, that's not my story. I, I I can say that from personal experience, you know, adopting a teen is completely different than adopting a baby or having a baby. And, you know, I'm sure you know this, even, even adopting younger kids, but I had to go through this, this journey of saying that's okay. You know, I gave our teen or we gave our teen a, a, a you know, a launching pad, a, a place yes. to call home. And that's all that the Lord asks of us. The Lord's that's not right. asking us to, to, to feel maternal, 
even. That's not the Mm -hmm. calling. And I think it took me a really long time to get there. And I love that that's what you guys are saying too. You're saying like, we're not asking you to give these kids the entire world. You know, we're we're asking you to give them a family, you know, food, yes. safety. And, yes. and I think that that's really important for, um, for, for you to note in, um, in what you're doing is that you're giving people grace to, uh, to right. adopt, to be able to open their homes by saying, you know, you need to lower your, your bar. And, yeah. um, so yeah, talk to us about that. Talk to us yeah. about how, maybe just the, how that you do this, how do you, uh, I don't want to say convince like you're a salesperson, but how do you how do you take someone who who is completely like you know adoption, especially of a, an older kid, is out of sight, out of mind? How do you take that person and and show them that it's it's within their reach? Right. I think I think for a lot of people, it's just education. It's it's an understanding or a lack of understanding of who these kids are and why they're in foster care and, um, you know, what could you do? And so, you know, with project zero, uh, we have three goals and, um, one of them is to raise awareness about the need because foundationally many people don't know that there are that many kids waiting in our state, um, or in our country. And so we, we need to let them know that. And so we do that a couple of ways. One is through our, um, our heart gallery, which are professional photographs of waiting kids. Um, we feel very, very strongly that our kids deserve to be, um, to be photographed beautifully and, uh, feel good about that photograph. Um, it compels people to action when you see, um, those kiddos, but, uh, we have three exhibits that travel the state. We have the only online uh, exhibit that DCFS asked us to take that on a couple of years ago. And so we work very closely with them to do that. The second thing I mentioned earlier was the short films. And um, we we began to realize that the picture was great. It gave kind of life to the statistics. But that giving waiting kids a voice to allow them to share their own truths in their own way no matter how hard it is for us to hear, um, moves it to a different level. And it, and it takes people uh, on a journey, even in that two or three minutes. Um, we've filmed probably over 100 of those to this point, and we have, I think, 180 left to go that we're working on. Wow. But a, a, prime, a prime example is one of our guys, one of our teen guys, um, had been waiting for eight years. His photo was in the heart gallery. He um, he came to events, all that kind of stuff. But when his short film was released, we we knew as we were filming, based on what he had to say and how he had to say it, that it was going to be impactful and it was going to be powerful. And when it was released, we received inquiries from all over the country. We received an inquiry from England, from Australia. People who wanted to know him, they wanted to mentor him, they wanted to adopt him, simply because he was able to share his own story, and he was able to share about who he was and what he longed for, and he found a family as a result of that because he was able to do that. And so um, I think just understanding on the front end that adopting a teen is not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. They have especially if they've been lingering in foster care, they have no blueprint 
for family. Mm -hmm. They have no um, understanding of what it means to be a a, a man of integrity sometimes because the men in their lives most of the time have been absent. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to watch, and I loved what you said about giving your son a family and a foundation because what it's amazing for them to see a husband treat his wife with respect, to treat his children with joy and, and you know, discipline, but, but grace and mercy. Um, for them just to be able to sit in a family and see that. You may not know as a mama, uh, you may not see the effects of that for a long, long time. But rest assured, it's there. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's, it's moving them whether you know it or not. Um, so I think the other part of that is realizing it's not about us. It's not about us as an adoptive mom or an adoptive dad, whatever. Um, and so when we get, when we get that truth, um, we don't want to get that truth because that's hard. Um, because uh, this this journey can be brutal at times. It can be um, it can rip your heart out at times. It can be the most joyful thing you've ever done. But when we realize it's not about us, then we we give God that. Um, those problems and we focus on that child and we begin to see them for who they are and what they deserve. And a lot of times I think God shows us how he feels about us in the way we see um, our kiddos that are adopted because um, we struggle and yet he is there. Mm -hmm. You know, we go through trauma and yet he's, he's guiding us and he's finding the best way to help us out of that. And he's pointing us in the right direction and uh, so I think we, we have to realize it's not about me. It's not about you. Um, it's about this calling that God has, has placed on his people. Um, and it's about our obedience and our willingness to carry it out. And I think looking for God to surprise us, mm-hmm. looking for him to bring those miracles that oftentimes we don't ask for because we think they're not going to happen. You know, it's been a hopeless situation. It's going to remain a hopeless situation. Um, and so I think we need to open our hearts and minds up and realize it's not about us and look to God to, uh, to work miracles in the lives of, of us and our kids. Yes. Um, I don't know if I answered that question, but uh, no, you totally did. I was like (laughs) writing down times for quotes and all that stuff. Um, that's some, that's some good stuff. Like I, Um, I just feel like, Our calling is so heavy and so hard mm-hmm. um, and remembering, because I think it's so easy to forget um, that God is there, that the Lord yes. is, he's, he's faithful. He doesn't just say like, hey, you should adopt, bye, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he, he's there. He walks with us through that. And I have seen that over and over and over again in our adoption mm-hmm. story, especially with our mm-hmm. teen, because It's not easy, y'all. Like, people listening, it's not glamorous. And I will admit that when I got into this, there was a very ugly, selfish part of me that was in it for, I don't know, like, for how cool it was going to look to have a teen and that's only, you know, a few years younger than me. Like, that was going to be neat. And that's really horrible to, like, that's really embarrassing to admit because looking back, like, I see, first of all, how naive I was. But second of all, Mm -hmm. that's, that's gross. Like, that is not... I don't mean actually gross. I just mean like that's 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 yucky yeah. to think about, you know, that, that that was my mentality. And I think that God humbled me so quickly. Mm. Um, 
and reminded me and, and showed me that this was going to take all of my faith. This was going to, mm-hmm. this was not going to be easy. And I've learned so much more from yeah. that experience than what I thought. You know, I, I didn't necessarily have a savior mentality, but I think I thought like, Hey, this is going to be cool. We're going to, you know, we're going to help this kid and yeah. it's going to be great. And it, I, I realized I've, I've learned and grown just as much as he has. Mm. Um, and yeah. I love that. And I think that that's, that's so important to note. But I also want to talk about, so, I mean, you, you know, I, we've already talked about you being in an, a foster mom and adoption and mm-hmm. adopting and everything, but it's really cool that you are doing it. You're not just saying, hey, you mm. guys should adopt or, or even saying like, you know, I have founded this great organization and so many <laughs> kids have been adopted because of it. And that's my part. That's my role. But no, mm-hmm. you do those things and you come home to hard kids too. Um, mm-hmm. I love that you are, you're, you're walking it and talking about it. Um, so just talk to us about that. What are some of the things that you have been able to hand the, the women that you mentor, the families that you talk to, the, the congregations that you mm-hmm. speak to because mm-hmm. of what you're seeing in your own home? Well, I, I think, um, I think you're exactly right. I think, uh, for lack of a better word, it kind of gives me a little bit of street cred <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when I'm, you know, I'm talking about the fact that it's hard, um, you know, and talking about the the kiddos that come from hard places because I have I have two of them uh, that are my, you know, my beautiful son and daughter. Um, I think too, it opens up um, it opens up the conversation about. Um, you know, what does that look like day to day? Um, and for our situation, one of our kiddos um, suffers from the results of some horrific abuse. And so we're dealing with that um, on a day to day basis. And, um, you know, you d- we don't parent him the way we parented our four biological kids. And we don't um, talk to him the way that uh, we talk to the to them or set boundaries the way that we did for them, and so I think it's just that it's the the simple elementary things of parenting a child from a hard place, um, and it also um, it allows people. When I say I understand how you feel, um, I really understand how they feel, as opposed to just knowing it in my mind. Um, which I do, but <laughs> I I know it in my heart because I am a mom of, of kiddos from hard places. And going back to what you said, um, you know, about your your son and about that whole process, I think, you know, God is big enough to take your questions and to mm-hmm. take my questions. And I, if I'm honest, it's been a rough few weeks. And and um, and I I just. I got in the car one day and I literally just said out loud, God, why can't this be easy? You know, why can't this just sometime, why can't it be easy? And he, he, he's big enough to hear those questions. Hey guys, I had to jump in to talk about this episode's sponsor, Little Box of Decorations. So some of you may know, but my little girl just turned three over this past weekend and she wanted, of all things, a mermaid unicorn party. Not separate, all together, mermaid and unicorn party. Um, I am like the least crafty person in the entire world. I can handle the logistics and the food, but ask me to like make decorations or have like some sort of vision board and I am I am just all kinds of stressed out. So I am so excited to talk to you about Little Box of Decorations. And you guys know I would never endorse someone that I haven't used and trust with all my heart. So 
planning and decorating small events can be stressful, tiring, and time-consuming. And Little Box of Decorations is here to save your party day. LBD provides all-in-one kits that include everything you need for your party, including table settings, decorations, and invitations, all delivered to your doorstep. There are curated kits available, or they can work with you to design any custom party, like they did with Jane's Mermaid Unicorn Party. No more running around town or stressing about coordinating details or hoping all the colors match. Just check out their website at littleboxofdecorations.co or follow them on Instagram at lbdecorations for all your party needs. LBD is all of the party and none of the hassle. If you guys want to check out the cool, amazing stuff they did, Uh, for Jane's Mermaid Unicorn Party, be sure to follow me on Instagram because I'm going to be talking about them for a while. This party was out of this world. I could never, ever, ever have done these decorations by myself. It was beautiful. It was so put together and it was so stress-free. So check them out at littleboxofdecorations.co or on Instagram at lbdecorations. And like I said, be sure to follow me at The Adoptive Mom to check out pictures of the amazing party they helped me throw for my little girl. Thanks, guys. And I think we, you know, we just need to keep our minds and hearts open to what it, what he's saying. And we need to, um, we need to be bold in our requests. Um, we need to dream big for our kids. And uh, in my case, for all the kids that are waiting, um, I was on a conversation with one of our team guys. I was actually sitting in the parking lot of a shopping center um, and talking, um, you know, talking to him and, and I kind of started on my little my little spiel um, about you know I believe in you and you know God's got bigger plans for your life and da 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 and he, he said Miss Christie he said you know I don't I don't mean to get all up in your feels and all that he said but you know how many times I've heard you say that do you know how many times I've heard you speak and say that you know how many times I've seen you on television saying that and I said you're exactly right. I said, but I have two choices. One of them is I can say, well, this is just too stinking hard. I'm done. And the second one is I can say, this is so worth it because these kids are worth it. And I'm going to keep up the fight. And I said, I, I choose the second option because you're worth fighting for. And so I think, you know, um, God wants us not only to live it out in our own lives, but he wants us to pour into the kids who are waiting. Mm-hmm. He wants us to live out that passion. If it takes five years to find a family, they need to know that we're in it for those five years, going back to the fight. And it is a fight mm-hmm. because there's discouragement. And there's times when you're down in the trenches, you know, with a, a kid in jail or a kid in the hospital or a kid that's. I'd done something that you would have never thought they would have done. And yet the continuity and the steadfastness of sticking by them cannot be overstated. And so I think, you know, God's plan for us is not only in our own homes, but it's, um, but it's also coming alongside these kids. Um, and, and I think that goes back to realizing it's not about you. And when we realize it's not about us or our feelings or our glorification or our egos or any of that, like you, you mentioned earlier uh, about jumping into the process and how, you know, I I don't think we can help, but have a little bit of that. We're going to help. We're going to save. We're going to all of that. Um, 
but God can cover that and can show us that there's a bigger picture um, for both our lives, for the kids in our home that we get to call sons and daughters, and for the greater uh, the greater picture with the kids that are waiting. Yes. And I, th- I love that you're talking about obedience so much because mm-hmm. I think that that's so important to focus on is focus on the obedience aspect. I think a lot of times, I mean, just we as humans, not even as adoptive parents, yeah. we want to see we want to see results. We want to see the success. We want to see, oh, this is why we did it. You know, we want that gratification. Right. And right. it doesn't always come. You know, mm-hmm. I think that trusting that invisible that invisible glory, that invisible success that, you know what, maybe that kid that you adopted for six, you know, that was in your home for six months, but you gave him right. your last name for those six months. Maybe he does end right. up in jail, but yeah. Yeah. that success is invisible, but you obeyed. And right. that is the whole right. point. That is the success right. is that you obeyed. And, you know, I've told this story on the podcast before. So listeners, I'm very mm. sorry, but um, you know, the first day our son moved in, I went in my closet and just cried because mm-hmm. all of those, that, that passion, that fire that got me to that place, it felt like it was just like floating yes. away. Mm-hmm. And I stood in there and I said, God, where are you in this? What happened? Yes. Like, why don't I love him? Why don't I feel yes. this way that I thought I would? And I, I mean, just so clearly I felt the Lord say, Alex, mm-hmm. this is still my plan, even though there's nothing yeah. in it for you right now. And that was when I realized, that's when I started this journey and I started asking people, Mm -hmm. like, when did these feelings come? Did they ever come? Are they even supposed to come? Should I be waiting for that? And ultimately, the answer was like, no, you need to change what you're expecting from from Mm -hmm. this relationship. Your job is to obey. Um, So I love that that's what you're talking about, too, that that's what you're you're telling these parents. Your job is to obey because this kid Mm -hmm. needs a home, even if you don't feel the lovey-dovey feelings for him. He doesn't care. Right. He has a safe place, you know, or he, he right. or she. I'm using the word he because that's right. my story, but <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he or exactly. she. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love that. I love that aspect and that that's what you're, you're sharing. And, um, you know, one of the ways that you're sharing is, is with your book as well. So I want to ask about that. Um, you said earlier, it's called the middle mom. Um, what was that just your memoir? What is, what is your story for that book? Well, um, that was probably the last thing. Well, maybe not the last thing. I've always loved to talk and I've always loved to write. (laughs) But um, in the middle of probably the craziest time, um, I would, you know, I began taking notes and just doing all this kind of stuff. And then we were just busy with little bitty ones in our home. And um, our older kids were in junior high and high school. And um, it was just like the Lord said, now's the time. And I mean, I had scraps of paper everywhere. <laughs> I had notes. And so I just began to pull it together. And um, it basically is. It's just our story. And and it's been very interesting. It's crazy that it's almost been 10 years since it came out, but it has. And so obviously Edward's not in there and um, the project, uh, project Zero is not in there, um, but it's my story. And so... Um, I didn't know why it needed to be told. I still don't necessarily know. Um, but I do know that um, probably the final chapter um, is maybe the reason for the whole uh, the whole book. Um, it was uh, the, the, the book, the manuscript was completed. The editing was done. The, uh, the cover was done. The printer was chosen, all that kind of stuff. And we went through the most difficult time of our foster care journey. Um, and and uh, I didn't want to tell that story. I didn't, I didn't want to let people in to that, 
really ugly, uh, vulnerable, raw part of my life. Um, and once again, Jeff said to me, remember, you were going to be transparent. Remember, you were going to share your life. And so you've got to tell that story. And so in the 11th hour, um, I added that last chapter um, to uh, to the book. And um, that has been the chapter that has spoken to foster mamas um, in a lot of different places, because I think that chapter allowed them to see that somebody does understand and that somebody does get um, you carrying your little child's pajamas in your purse for, you know, for months and just putting them up against your cheek every so often, or, um, you laying down, um, in their bed and, and covering with their blanket or, um, just the loss and the grief and the um, inability for people around you to understand the intensity of that um, and what that looks like, Um, going to bed and covering your head and weeping and longing with your arms just empty for that child that you have loved so well. Even if you, like me, understood the reunification process, understood that you were on that team, um, you still... Uh, If you are fostering the way that God intended for you to foster, which is sold out love, open arms, uh, not caring what it's going to cost you, then you're going you're going to have sacrifice and you're going to have grief. And so I think um, that may be the reason uh, for the mental mom. Um, And once again, comes with all kinds of criticism because people don't believe all the hocus pocus of Christianity and God calling you out and all that kind of stuff. But that didn't change. It's my story. God is my story. His calling on my life is my story. And so um, what other people think, that's okay. Yeah. If they don't understand that, if they don't understand that part of it. So, um, you know, it was the middle mom was an unexpected uh, journey, but it was one that I'm so glad that I've had the opportunity to take and, um, and grateful for that opportunity. Yes, and well, how many people and women specifically have benefited from from your story, from your willingness to be transparent and share your story? I just think that that's so great because um, I don't know. We need more. We need more people like you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to ask actually. So back to just Project Zero and just everything that you're doing. Okay. Obviously, that's that's pretty Arkansas focused. Um, I love that you have had the ability to share outside of Arkansas. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But what what can people, what can listeners who are not in our state, what can they do to to kind of replicate this initiative? What can mm-hmm. they do to uh, you know take the baton from you and and move mm-hmm. forward in their own areas? Well, we're actually um, we've been talking for probably about a year now about what that would look like because we um, you know we get that question a lot. Um, you know how do you, how can we bring Project Zero to our state? And I'm just keeping a list of states that, you know, want to do that. And uh, so there is a possibility at some point that we we will do that. Um, I don't want to commit to that, but that is, that is a possibility. Um, my burden right now is, you know, we're not at zero in Arkansas, so how can we <laughs> tell somebody else how to do it? But I think working, you know, congruently and at the same time would be awesome. So um, the main thing, I think, to start something like Project Zero is that you have to have 
a good relationship with DHS in your mm-hmm. state. And so if you don't have that, there's no point in even jumping into anything. Um, and we, you know, we're happy to, to guide anybody into, you know, we, we talk to folks about heart galleries. We talk to folks about um, connection events, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, we're, you know, we're always willing to do that. But I think mainly it's establishing that, uh, that connection, whether it's through you fostering and adopting or whether it's through, um, you know, your governor or uh, his, his or her office, uh, that's, a, that's a way to do that. And then you can begin the conversation in kind of a Project Zero playbook. What does that look like? Um, how do you do what you do? How do we do what we do? Um, and we're willing to, to talk through that. So um, it definitely is needed because I think, you know, we're, we're kind of known for thinking outside the box. Um, we want to be radical. We cut an album back in 2011. Nobody knows about because we didn't know how to market an album, <laughs> but we went to Nashville and we cut an album with a bunch of different musicians called Grafted so that uh, we can raise awareness. I mean, we're just always trying to yeah. uh, to do things that are fun, uh, that are that are filled with energy, and that show. Um, you know, we believe when we do things with excellence, quite honestly, that it shows a watching world how we value waiting kids. Yes. And so, if we do things with excellence, um, then that's going to show them how we feel, and then, Lord willing, they're going to feel that way too. Absolutely. And I love that you you give so many opportunities for creatives to get involved with your mission. Um, You you know, you just have a team of like photographers and stuff like that who are are wanting to help out. And I just I think that's really cool that you're involving the community in the way that you guys do. And you know what, you guys are doing just really, really cool things, especially with social media and just digital stuff in general, um, that I think a lot of a lot of um, a lot of organizations don't don't feel like is within their reach. And I just mm-hmm. think that's really neat. And uh, you are just defying like age expectations all across the, <laughs> like, it's crazy. I mean, you have a 10 year old and grandchildren. You're just like all over social crazy. media. You have a huge following. Like you're just, yeah, it's, it's really cool to watch you. It's a little crazy. Yeah. So before, before we jump off, I want to ask you these uh, closing questions. Are you cool with that? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. So what do you wish that someone had told you at the beginning of this journey? That it was not going to be easy. Mm. And um, I think um, I love things to be fun. I love people to be happy. I, I love to be happy. Um, and I think our very first foster baby, um, when he left us after only 10 days, which sounds hysterical at this point in my pilgrimage, but <laughs> um, when, he, when he left us, it was, I was just like grief stricken. And he was going to this dynamic, wonderful Christian home. But the Lord just said to me in that moment, doing my will is going to require sacrifice. And for you, that sacrifice is often going to come in the form of grief. And so um, I kind of wish I'd known that, but I don't know that I could have really known that had I not walked it. So um, I think just understanding how difficult um, this journey was going to be, but that God was going to walk through it with me. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and so what do you wish you had done differently? I wish I'd started earlier. All I, right. I wish, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how I could have done that. Cause I was, I was, I guess I was 30, maybe, um, 31. Um, 
but I wish I'd started earlier and I wish I had started the fight for waiting kids earlier. Mm. I didn't really know about that um, as when we were fostering for the private agency. Um, but I would have loved to have, um, but that wasn't God's plan. You know, it's his plan now for such a time as this. So, um, yep. you know, we'll go with it. So, mm, love it. Um, <laughs> um, so what is your favorite way that your tribe supported you or has supported you over your, I mean, it's, I say journey, like it happened a long time ago, but like your current, yeah. uh, your entire journey. <laughs> I think it's just that the, um, I think it's just the little ways that people support and the unexpected ways. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's seeing me at a store in the early days and, and, you know, saying, I'm going to buy that hair bow for that baby, you know, or what, you know, little things like that, whether it's someone sending a text and saying, um, you know, I want to send dinner over to you guys tonight, you know, and I'm not, if I'm honest, I'm not really good at the reception part of that. Um, (laughs) at times I really, I, I do struggle with that. Um, and, um, but I think it's just, it's, it's somebody texting you and saying, I'm praying today because I know that this situation with so-and-so is really difficult. So I think it's just the little things and, and, um, those little things that add up to a big difference. And just knowing that, that people are holding, especially in the situation I'm in right now, holding my arms up. Mm -hmm. And that is, that to me is a powerful thing above anything tangible, meals, you know, any of that. Um, having someone that you know is holding your arms up is just so beautiful. And I'm so grateful for that. Yes. Amen. I love that, that that's like one of my favorite biblical analogies for what Mm -hmm. we, what we do as adoptive moms. Um, Absolutely. So the flip side of that question is always, what is the way that you have felt like least supported or misunderstood or hurt by the pe- by your community? Um, and I always ask this just to, to give people insight. I think they want to know. Well, I think, I think you have to realize that when we started this process, it was nothing like it is today. Um, I have three friends that um, fostered, that started fostering like either right alongside or a year or two after. And we always, we talk about how, um, honestly, there, I, I don't know that I should say this or not, but I'm going to, that sometimes with adoptive and foster moms, there's a level of expectation that people are going to support you, that you're going to get things for free, that you're going to, um, you know, you're going to have all these opportunities and that you should have them because you're doing this and other people aren't. Um, and we went into it knowing we didn't expect anything because we believed it was our call. It was our responsibility. It was in obedience that we were to step out and that we didn't need to expect things or anything from other people. And so uh, also the part of that is there weren't many other people. So now you can get into a group, you can get, you know, you can, mamas can get on your podcast and they can get all kinds of information. There was very little 26 mm. years ago. And so um, I think feeling misunderstood is an understatement back for that because um, even my good friends didn't understand why in the world would you start this when you're, you've got three preschoolers, right. you know, why? I mean, my in-laws, you know, they didn't say it, but they were thinking it. 
at, you know, what in the world she is, you know, she's disorganized enough as it is, you know, why in the world would you bring a baby into this? And yet God gave me a, a, just a stake in the ground, um, to know I was on the road to doing what he called me to do. And so for me, and back to answering that question and with a lot of fluff that you probably didn't need was, (laughs) uh, was just the fact that it was hard to be misunderstood. Mm -hmm. It was hard to be, um, not supported. And it was hard to, um, to share with people the deep conviction of my heart. Um, and that has gotten a hundred percent easier over the years, filled with support, filled with arm holders. And, um, so that seems like a distant memory. Um, but it was hard in the early days. Yeah. And I mean, you were doing it back before we knew even, I mean, we, we still have so much ground to cover when it comes to trauma and yeah. the brain and yeah. oh, uh, absolutely. all that stuff. But back then, I mean, there was nothing, nothing. Nope. I mean, like nope. what occupational therapy, what, you know, back yeah. in the night, like that's, I mean, you talk about warrior, like you were doing the work like by yourself. And I think that, yeah. you know, it, that's, I, I love that you said that because it's easy to take for granted that this, you know, it feels really hard because it is really hard, but you it know, is. just, just comparing ourselves to, um, to what, what it was like back when you started, you know, it's world's yeah. difference. We do have so much more support. So I love that you give that perspective. Thank you. Well, and we were fine with that. I do have to say that we were fine with that. We weren't expecting to be supported. And so I think the Lord used that in our own lives mm-hmm. to help us to help us walk out as calling. Yeah, so absolutely. That was, that was the good part of that. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite adoption resource? And, you know, I asked that question and it's kind of funny hearing it because I'm sure, you know, you, you wouldn't want to plug like your book or, <laughs> or anything like no, that. No, but... I am not plugging that. No, <laughs> no, no. That is not my favorite adoption resource. <laughs> I am not plugging anything. Uh, (laughs) I love it. Um, I think it depends on the area you're in. You know, there are just, there are some great, I think definitely um, as you're waiting, I think sometimes, you know, you you don't need to waste the wait. That's what I tell waiting families. You know, I had talked to lots and lots of waiting families. So, you know, read uh, Karen Purvis is great. You know, Mm -hmm. read her, read, um, we just heard Tina Bryson speak, and I, had, I if I'm going to be honest, I really had not heard her, uh, the whole brain child. Read, listen to podcasts, listen to Alex, listen to Alex. <laughs> uh, Thanks. I'll plug you, I'll plug you. But seriously, listen to uh, to adoptive mamas who, uh, who are ahead of you in this journey, and, um, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't feel like um, you can't share where you're vulnerable. Um, I think... Um, you know, you, you need to have somebody you can be raw with, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other part of that is give yourself grace, give yourself grace. You do not have to have it all together. Um, you do not have to have a perfectly clean house and every stitch of laundry done in your house. You, uh, someone told me one time, you can't save the world and have a clean house at the same time. So no. I'm like, there you go. There, that'll, you know, that could be our mantras. We can't, you know, we can't save the world and have a clean house at the same time. <laughs> not that it's not important. I don't, I don't mean that, but, um, just give yourself grace and, um, you know, I, there's a lot to be said for that and allow God to just move you and let, allow him to surprise you and ask him for opportunities uh, to be surprised uh, in this journey. Cause it, cause it's a fun journey too. It's not all heaviness and heartache. You know, it's, 
it's a beautiful thing to get the opportunity and the honor um, to parent kids from hard places and to advocate for kids who might find a family as a result of that advocacy. Mm, So cool. I love it. So where can we find you? You can find me um, on Project Zero's Facebook page. Um, We keep things updated on there all the time. So it's just Project Zero. And you can also see our heart gallery at theprojectzero.org. Project Zero uh, does not select families, but we do all of the groundwork pointing you to the right person at DCFS if you're an open home. Um, You can also attend any and all of our events, which I would highly encourage any waiting family to do. If you're a waiting family and you're not attending events through Project Zero and DCFS, then don't please don't complain that you're not you're not being matched with a child because these are great opportunities for uh, meeting children in a non-threatening uh, environment and also talking with DCFS adoption staff which is a very very important part of this process. Um, you can also find me on Facebook personally, Christy Johnson Irwin, and um, that would be great too. And we just would welcome any conversation about wedding kids or, um, you know, any of that. We would, we love it. We love talking to people. We love passionate, adoptive parents who sometimes say, I'm sorry, I'm emailing you that often. And I'm like, please don't apologize. We love passionate people who want to make a difference in the lives of waiting kids. Mm, love it. And, it, you know, I will always... As always, I will have all you know information for her book and her social media stuff and Project Zero's website on the show notes. But if you just can't wait to get to the show notes and you want to search right now, remember it's Christy with an IE, right? Yes, that's right. Thank yes. you. And um, I just thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally got to make this happen because I know. Uh, I'm sorry I know. I'm so technically illiterate. I appreciate you so much. I don't know how you can say that when you're like just <laughs> blowing up social media and like video production and seriously. Oh my word. Well, that's not me. <laughs> social media, yes. Video production, no, not me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank but- you for let me thank you for all you and Brian are doing. What a beautiful example you are, and just your your transparency, your humor. Um, you are you are making a difference, and I I hope this I hope your your uh, podcast takes off and just kind of takes the country by storm. I'm, I mean, you know, we got to dream big, and God has got bigger plans for you. I am I am I am sure I'm sure of it. So oh. um, let me know how I can help get that going and making that happen. You're already changing lives, so. Uh, we just need to do it on a bri- broader scale. So that's mm. awesome. And I just, I love your family and I love you guys. And I'm so grateful for you. Well, seriously, thank you so much. That means so much to me coming from you for sure. Um, and I am just so appreciative of you for taking that Facebook message from the crazy person from the young five years young, ago, <laughs> pregnant, pregnant mama. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and remembering thinking you were like a 12 year old wondering, why is she wanting to adopt <laughs> at age 12? <laughs> but then remembering you're the age of one of my kids. And so you were grown up. So <laughs> I love I, it. I love oh. it too. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. You're a blessing. Thank you so much for listening to the adoptive mom podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. 
We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.